This is Oscar Mike Radio, episode 117, on October 18th, 2018. Oscar Mike Radio is part of the Hoobazoo Network. You can find out more on hoobazoo.com. All right, lots of stuff to cover. This is part three of my World War One series. As I've said before, there is absolutely no way I can cover every aspect of World War One in four podcasts. So I picked things that people may or may not know about. There is a lot about World War One I, I have to learn, as the prior podcasts have shown. But as I like to usually do, I want to start with the question of the week. And that question is, how was the 16th annual Leave No One Behind gala put on by the New England Center and Home for Veterans? Well, I attended. I had a great time. I think I'm really impressed by how many people come out and support the center's mission, even though it's been around for a very long time and underwent a whole lot of change in the last couple of years. When I started interacting with the center, it was called a shelter, and its primary focus was to serve homeless veterans, followed by training. Now, the New England Center and Home for Veterans still serves homeless veterans, still works with housing and other challenges. Uh, that's their, their core competency. That's their bread and butter is working with and supporting uh, homeless and less fortunate uh, veterans, right? However, I'm pleased to say that in the last couple of years, they're, they're trying to morph and expand their offerings to serve all veterans, hence the name New England Center and Home for Veterans. And really, they have put uh, female veterans issues on, on, on the forefront. They have looked at other things like uh, training that will really help veterans. They have an uh, MBTA bus driver program and a couple other training programs that are really powerful and relevant for this job market. And, and they're one of the few private organizations that do what they do and serve the kind of population they serve. And it's just great to go to their gala event and see all this encapsulated in a couple hours and how the money is spent and who they serve and who's doing the service for the veterans. So I am already looking forward to 2019. I, I feel that this is an organization worth supporting. I certainly had a, a good time with my involvement and, and, and how I've come to uh, love and admire the center and, and hope you do too. So moving on from that, this is part three of my, uh, War One series for the month of October, and I, I wanted to talk about things about World War One that people may or may not know. There is certainly a lot of things about World War One that I had absolutely no idea, which was the point of this entire entire series was to pick four things that people may or may not know about and talk about these things to kind of raise awareness. And also learn and, and have fun together. Uh, certainly the feedback about the last episode, 116, where I talk about the, the, the Indian Army, or, or they were the British Army actually, but they were Indians serving the British Army. Their involvement, uh, it, it was nice to highlight their involvement and to share this with some Indian people that I know and have them tell me stories of their family service and make it all real. It, it's one of the really cool things about doing this podcast, right? So this week's a little bit different, uh, swinging back to the home states. 
And, you know, if, if, if you didn't know way, way back when, over 100 years ago, German U-boats actually attacked the United States not too far from where I live. And so we're going to talk about, at this point, right now, for the rest of this podcast, well, most of the rest of it, we're going to discuss the Battle of Orleans. And pretty simply, um, in 1918, people on the, the Cape Cod town of Orleans saw what looked like some weird things coming out of the, um, the ocean. They were German U-boats. And these U-boats, or was U-boat, rose to the surface and began shelling and sending torpedoes at uh, a tugboat and barges. And they were able to sink the barges. But uh, thanks to the good people in the Coast Guard, they were Coast Guardsmen back then, everyone was rescued, and it was a crazy thing. And reading about this, I'll have the link that I use to kind of base my story on for the podcast. It's from uh, massmoments.org. Uh, it, it was the first time that the U.S. mainland had been attacked since the War of 1812 in the city of New Orleans. And it was the only time our country itself was attacked during World War I. And the U-boats came completely out of, out, of, out, of the, out of the clear blue. They weren't expecting this. They were not the early warring systems that there were today to... Let, let Naval and Coast Guard know that some kind of ship, there was no radars back then to let uh, people know that this kind of stuff was going on. And the U-boats quietly, you know, came to the uh, the coast of Cape Cod and, and rose up and, and, and did this, right? But it, it was, according to the article, a, a sunny day on July 21st, uh, 1918. And... They were watching this this tugboat pull these barges, and people in Cape Cod knew there was a war going on. It was on the East Coast. They were they were aware that that, that there's a lot of of danger from the mass maritime to transport supplies over to Great Britain and France. They knew that uh, this was going to happen, and it was shipping that that drew the U.S. into the European war. And as everybody knows, well, most people know that our involvement in the war came really when, in 1915, a German U-boat sank the Lusitania off the coast of Ireland and 100 Americans were killed. Germany was trying to cut off the supply line to the French and English from America, and so that their, their U-boats were used to do that, and they were very effective. The Germans had this down pat, right? And, and so... The, the Germans got really good at it and, and started moving further and further west to have this kind of warfare where they would be underwater for a, a period of time. They would get a, a track on uh, ships, get near the surface or surface, and either shell the ships with deck guns or fire torpedoes and sink the ships and then uh, submerge again to do it all over again. And the people at the time, it's, it's, it's a Sunday afternoon, there's nothing going on. Church is getting out. It's a calm, peaceful day. And eyewitness reports that this large cigar-shaped uh, object rose out of the water and began shelling the, the, this tugboat and barges. Even when a plane from Chatham Air Base arrived to drop bombs on this U-boat, 
that didn't work because the, the bombs were duds and the Germans continually fired on the barges and tug. And, and there were, you know, captain's wives and children's, you know, uh, aboard the, 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 this boat. And so what happened was men from the Chatham Coast Guard Station, and I have pictures of this in the blog post, rode, rode as an R-O-W-E-D, lifeboats out to the ship in the heart. I mean, they're, they're, they're getting shelled. In other words, the, the U-boat is far enough away to get a, an elevation and, and traverse angle correctly on the target. And they're lobbing these, these shells at these targets. And, and, and these Coast Guardsmen don't have a powerboat like you see the Coast Guard have now. It's, it's a huge rowboat. And, you know, there's water and spray, there's loud noises, it, it's loud, it's continuous, and, and our, our grandfathers and great-grandfathers just kept rolling. We're going to get these people out, and rescued all 32 people. And they rescued them all, got back to shore, the, the, the barges in the sank, and the U-boat submerged and disappeared. This was called the Battle of Orleans. It, it just... A lot of people think sometimes that nothing really happened during World War I. A lot of people focus on Pearl Harbor, and certainly that was a, a, a disaster. It was a, a severe loss of life and equipment. It, it propelled us into World War II. 1918 was the first time that this had happened, where we were directly attacked by an enemy on our own shoreline and soil. And it raises all kinds of questions. What would have happened if that U-boat had had better information and maybe had done this at night, maybe got some shells on some houses or people were sleeping in their boats and had been able to sink boats. What if there had been more than one U-boat? What would have happened then? You know, I really don't know. I really have no way to think about that and, and talk about that because I, I just don't know. And, and could something like that happen today? I don't know that either. I, I don't think that's the case. I know that there's all kinds of, of detection equipment and buoys in our waters to track that. I know that our subs have detection devices on them for underwater detection of, of submarines and other submersibles that Russia and other countries have. But just think about it this again, that you're, you're, you're out of church and you're going to go home and maybe play a little baseball, have a picnic, take a nap, and you're walking out there and you're seeing this thing happen. And, and there's not much you can do. And the only people that can do something are, are coast people in the Coast Guard who, who get into big wooden boats and by hand row their boats out in the middle of, of you know, Cape Cod Bay to save these people. And not only did they save them all, but no one got killed. And, and for all the war movies made and all the stories told, and all the TV series made, it, it'd be kind of cool to see something like this. And, and this is where I think the, the parts of, of, of World War I that we don't know about need to be talked about. It's inconceivable now, 100 years later, that a submarine could get close enough to our shore to, to shell boats sitting there. It's inconceivable that if a, a submarine did get close enough and had the surface and was shelling our shoreline or boats that 
an aircraft from Otis National Air Guard Base, um, Air National Guard Base, excuse me, wouldn't be able to destroy that submarine if it was just sitting there. It would be highly unlikely that those bombs, that F-15, that F-18, whatever is out of there, F-16, whatever you, whatever have you, I mean, F-35, I don't care what it is, whatever modern aircraft we have now, it would be highly unlikely that that aircraft would drop duds for bombs. Of course, the kind of airplane that was sent from uh, that airbase was a wooden biplane with 25-pounders on it. And there was no laser guiding, no no GPS. It was, you know, eyeball, iron sight, and dead reckoning is how they guided those bombs in. And, and there, there's some pictures of it there, there there's some lots of write-ups about it there there's places where you can go down and see the little monument on in orleans but it's not really talked about when you talk about uh world war one I. I don't know if it's because orleans is relatively small compared to other cities i don't know if it's because this didn't happen like new york or baltimore but the fact of the matter is it did happen on our soil and for whatever reason that that submarine had to submerge and retreat so I don't know what you think I I, I, th I thought this was kind of a, a, a cool story I thought it was a good story I thought it was something that I didn't know much about there is a lot written about Massachusetts's involvement in all armed conflicts but there's a couple articles on this a couple of pictures and that's pretty much it that's all you've got and again, I really want to see attention paid to things like this so people can understand how different things were back then. And that Americans now and Americans back then can still pull together when we are threatened, either by a natural disaster, by a terrorist attack, by uh, something good or bad. We, we pull together. And the real heroes, I think, are the, the men that went out in that boat while shells are falling in the ocean around these barges to rescue those people and carry them home. And it's something I'm probably going to explore deeper if I can on my own time and try to find out more. It's extremely interesting to me. And that's just how I feel. I think this is uh, why I do the podcast. This is one of these fun episodes I get to do. I get to learn a little bit and try to talk about it in some kind of uh, unique way that makes sense and that is interesting, hopefully. And I, I enjoy doing it. This is a fun one. And it had a good ending. No one died. No one got killed. And, you know, we, we, we won. So I'll have some links in the blog post on the Oscar Mike Radio website for this podcast that you can read more about it. Uh, definitely want to thank... Um, you know, massmoments.org for putting this on there. And I, I really, really enjoyed reading the article and seeing the pictures and understanding what happened. It, very, very cool. Very, very cool. So that is it for uh, The Word. And part four next week is going to be uh, my second book review. And it's going to be about the World War One book written about uh, trench warfare called I Deep in Hell. So moving on to some upcoming events. 
big thanks to uh, David uh, Hinkey from uh, uh, the VA Boston System. He's a Veterans Outreach Coordinator. And there's uh, three events I want to talk about real quick. On October 18th at 6.30 p.m., the uh, North Shore Veterans Collaborative bi-monthly meeting is taking place. That's at the Portuguese American War Vets Club, uh, 103 Tremont Street in Peabody, Mass. So if you're in that area, you're on the North Shore and want to uh, link up with some veterans, you can check that out at uh, 1830 hours at the Portuguese American War Vets Club. Very cool. And another one we have is Vets in Tech Training, uh, October 22nd through 26th in Boston. This is a uh, cybersecurity training course. And according to the write-up, veterans and their spouses can attend, and uh, the tuition is covered, and the course materials are too. And I have a link to this event in the blog post. Uh, if you want more information, you can also call Christopher Starling at Vets in Tech. His number is 415-713-0722. In the last one, uh, Hire a Veterans Month kickoff at the Massachusetts State House. It's October 31st. And it, it's a really uh, a start of a, of a, of a month-long uh, workshops and resources for employers looking to hire veterans and veterans looking to uh, get back into the workforce. So uh, at least in the state that I live in, Massachusetts, I know they get some bad raps for certain things, but one thing I cannot take away from them is if you are a veteran or you're an employer looking to employ veterans and advocate for veterans, there are a lot of resources available to you and be uh, in your best interest as a business owner or employer to look at veterans as a way to bolster your workforce. So uh, as far as what's coming up in November and December, got some cool interviews lined up with some people that are, are doing some things. If you're looking for that special Christmas uh, present, uh, you're definitely going to want to pay attention if you need anything from... Uh, real estate advice to uh, home improvement. Uh, Going to have that covered too. And, and just some cool people doing some cool stuff. And I hope you stay with me to check it out. It's going to be very, very good. You're going to want to be here. Check me out on Facebook, Oscar Mike Radio. Instagram, Oscar Mike Radio. I'm on Twitter, Google Plus. And of course, my website, OscarMikeRadio.com. And that is it for this week. If you have any questions, concerns, or ideas for a show, please hit me up at Travis at OscarMikeRio.com. This is episode 117 closing. I am Travis, and we are out.